This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Stephen Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. The borough are bouncing, so we're towning for a trouncing. Let's bloody hope not. It's the warm-up episode 106. It's Brady and Tom. We're previewing the Middlesbrough game, and we're joined by Stephen Chicken. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Steve. I don't know why I talk like that. Um, I'll come to you. I always say hello to Tom first. Yeah, all right. Tom, how are you? And how was the international break? Have you enjoyed it? Do you feel rested and recuperated? I mean, it's, it's all come around a bit too quick, Brady, again. I, I'd, I'd have liked another week off, to be fair. <laughs> okay, fair. It's all right. Not that we're going to do a pod for, like, you know, an hour or whatever. So um... yeah, so this will be fun. But yeah, I, it will. I, I am I'm ecstatic to be joined by who everyone says to me is my lookalike, Stephen Chicken. Hi, how's it going? It's the hats, isn't it? Hat and beard and glasses. Yeah. And that's it. Any any actual facial features are irrelevant at that point. <laughs> it's because we've both got a generic face. We're both just pink balloons with accessories yeah. on. <laughs> well, well, Steve, anyway, welcome back. Um, I make this your sixth appearance on the warm-up, um, wow. which is the same amount of appearances that Jaheim Headley has made this season. Do you see any comparisons between yourself and Jaheim? I think there's obvious comparisons to be made between me and Jaheim, you know, powerful, hard-hitting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, do I get a testimonial at 10? Yeah, I'm we I don't, what... get a cap. We should get a cap. Yeah. Ooh, what would nice. your testimonial look like in podcast you, you form? Get, you get all your previous podcast, podcast guests on and do a podcast where I'm sort of the, the, the focal point of it. Okay. I think that could be fun, to be fair. Yeah. Sounds like a roast, kind of. Yeah. We've got a testimonial this summer, haven't we? Keep forgetting about that. Yeah. Is that confirmed? Big, big hockey. Well, it's 10 years. You know, I'd be surprised if they didn't do something. That said, I also wouldn't be that surprised if Hoggy was the kind of person who went, no, I don't deserve it after the year we've had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, true. I remember okay, I was re- talking about testimonies. I always feel really bad for Phil Jones because he qualified for one, didn't he? And at Man U, and he's like, he, he's known as saying, like, no, let's not do it because don't think anyone will come. Oh, oh that's so sad. sad. That's yeah. really sad. 
What someone think of Phil Jones? Um, right, okay. Well, clearly we're all in a silly mood, but we have some serious stuff to talk about. Um, Steve, before we get onto the football, and um, I think there's some news that's happened this week involving Americans. I don't know. We're going to skip over it, to be honest. But um, <laughs> you took part in the big sleep out uh, last week to raise money for the Huddersfield Town Foundation. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about it and how, how you got on and your experience of, of the evening? Yeah, I think everyone's probably seen a bit about it already. I wrote a bit beforehand and a bit afterwards, but Town Foundation, obviously, fantastic charity, raising a lot of, raised an awful lot of money over the years for, for local charities. And um, this event in particular is focused on uh, homeless charities and, and anti-poverty and the, the, the charities breakfast clubs that they do as well. Obviously, it's a tough time for everyone, but in times like this, I think obviously it's the people that the, the sort of the, the bottom um, end of the, the economic uh, scale that, that hit hardest. And obviously that includes the homeless um, rates of homelessness are massively on the rise at the moment. There's, I think it was 2,400 people sleeping rough on any given night um, in England, which is 2,400 too many, obviously. So, you know, a big sleep out has been running for six years now. It's the first time I've taken part in it. It's something I've wanted to do before, but I think they've always run it the night before a game. Um, so it was like, oh, I'm working the next day. So maybe not the best idea. But this year I was able to get involved with it being international break. And um, yeah, it's a really great event, obviously. Um, it was, I was expecting sort of a bit of the the socialisation that we got. It was great to, to speak to everyone um, that was there. Um, have a bit of a chat about this season and a bit of a, a natter about what might come next because in, in all candor I was as in the dark about I knew as much about the takeover as anyone at that point um, so it was nice to sort of go in on, on equal terms I believe that it was the worst conditions they've had weather-wise um, but I think part of the experience obviously is meant to be that it's you know, there's the risk that it's going to be a bit rough, that, that you aren't going to get any sleep. I managed to get about 90 minutes, and I think I was lucky to get that from speaking to people afterwards. Um, really windy uh, at a certain point. And, and it's kind of the point of it is to be an eye-opener to, you know, what it's like to sleep rough. And, uh, yeah, can confirm, not nice at all. Um, and we, we were all very fortunate there that obviously it was a, a one-off for us, but a lot of people uh, are living with it every day and uh, you can make a donation if you go to tiny.cc forward slash chicken sleep. That's uh, my bit of the fundraiser page uh, and all the money goes to the town foundation will then be distributed to um, to the, the various charities that are, that are benefiting from it. Very well summarised. And I was going to plug it for you and you beat me to that. So, um, no, well done. I, yeah, I did it a couple of years ago and, yeah, it's um, it's not nice. It's very it's very eye-opening. Um, and, yeah, it's amazing that you guys have raised, I think it's over £10,000, isn't it? Over so, 10K, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, um, yeah, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we'll, link, we'll include that in the podcast um, little description. So if anyone wants to donate to that, they can do. Um, and please, please do, because like Steve says, it really makes a difference and particularly in the local community so um yeah there we go right okay so lads um about nine o'clock yesterday there was a some there was a tweet that came out i was weirdly on twitter and saw it scroll as i refreshed my feed it was at the top of my feed uh, and that was an update on the club's ownership so uh, again i'm sure everyone's seen it by now 
but the club's released a statement yesterday that confirms that American businessman, investor and Sacramento Republic Football Club CEO and owner Kevin M. Nagel is the new prospective owner of Huddersfield Town, um, subject to all the governance and legislative procedures. Nagel said, uh, I am beyond, I'm not going to do an American accent, so I apologize if anyone was expecting that. No, on, this is this is the thing, though, because I've got an American sounding name. People assume I can do a good American accent. Yeah. Like you're um, like Brett. Yeah. <laughs> I used to work with a guy called Chad. Uh, so Brady <laughs> and Chad. Yeah, literally. Uh, anyway, he, Mr. Nagel didn't say this in the statement. He actually said, I am beyond pleased to announce that I've entered into agreement with Dean Hoyle to purchase a full stake in Huddersfield Town. As the approval process is now underway, there will be no further comment until finalisation as we wish to 100% respect that process. I would, la- how- I would, however, like to thank Dean for all his help and support along the way, and I cannot wait to meet and speak to the wonderful town fans once again. And the quote ends there, and it says, you know, everyone, we want to say thanks for your understanding patience. Um, annoyed me, Steve. Don't know if you if you agree. Finalisation has an American yeah. Z. I knew that I'd get you. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed that. I don't think I changed it in the copy. I was I was hovering over the S. Uh, and the backspace, and I thought, no, I'll I'll leave that just as a an indication of the the brave new world that we're going into. Oh God, that's going to be a nightmare for you if we get all Americanized. Anyway, uh, before you hear uh, mine, Tom and Steve's reaction to it, um, I caught with uh, Alicia Rodriguez. She's she's a reporter and editor for SB Nation, and she covers the Los Angeles area, which includes. Sacramento Republic. Um, she was happy to answer some some questions for us, so I, I caught with her earlier, and here's what she had to say. Hi, Alicia. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, so many questions. I suppose the first one is, um, what can you tell us about Kevin Nagel and his time as a, an owner for Sacramento Republic? So, Kevin Nagel is a American businessman. Um, he's mostly worked in the healthcare field. Um, setting up a series of businesses over the years. He's done some real estate. Um, and then uh, in 2014, uh, the soccer club, Sacramento Republic, uh, launched um, their uh, lower league team here in the United States. Um, and it was a phenomenon. They ended up uh, winning the league title their first season. Um, which obviously is not very common. Um, and they really kind of drove their particular league forward in terms of um, professionalization and uh, having a really large and loyal fan base by the standards of the league at the time. Um, over time, that I think Sacramento Republic success has helped the USL championship uh, move forward quite a bit. But I think that they really laid the groundwork for other uh, clubs to follow a, a blueprint. So I think in that respect, it's been um, really good. Um, they haven't won a league title since their first year, but they've been competitive uh, a contender a lot of years and certainly competitive pretty much every season. Um, you know, I think they're one of the, the standard bearers in their league. Um, and there have been some, you know, ups and downs for the club over time, uh, which we'll get into uh, I think a little bit later, but, um, you know, all in all, I think, uh, Nagel's tenure as the owner of Sacramento Republic, um, from what they've actually produced, uh, has really been pretty strong so far. 
Could you tell us about his relationship with the Sacramento Republic fans and how he's viewed uh, by the fan base? When it comes to Nagel and the Sacramento Republic fans, um, I think, uh, by and large, I, I think it's pretty positive as far as how the supporters feel. Um, you know, I think Nagel has committed to the club, um, which in light of the fact that um, it seemed like the club was destined to go to MLS to the top flight, and they didn't, um, and yet they're still around, they're still kicking. Um, I think that has garnered uh, even more goodwill amongst the fans. They they seem to think that, um, you know, it, it's it's been a good relationship. Um, I think on some level, you know, there's, there's those who, looking at it from a pure sporting perspective, uh, you know, they'd like to see the, the club win titles, more titles. Um, I think, again, the the one title that they've uh, won in their career. It's, it's going on almost a decade now. Um, so there's certainly fans who would like to see, you know, more tangible success on the field. Um, but I do think that the, the club has done a good job of like really sinking roots in the community. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of almost the only show in town as far as, uh, you know, high level sports. Um, there's an NBA team, a basketball, uh, Sacramento Kings, but beyond that, um, you know, Sacramento Republic has a pretty uh, open market, I think, to work in. And, and I think that um, given the location in, in a very busy state in California, but in a city that doesn't really get a lot of the spotlight, I think has been really good for the, the, the club's success has been really good for the city, for the fans. And, and I think that there's a lot of, um, in general, goodwill towards Nagel as a result of, of his stewardship over the years. And what can Huddersfield Town fans expect from Kevin Nagel based on his time with Sacramento Republic? I think the good news with um, Kevin Nagel uh, buying Huddersfield Town is it seems like you're likely to get um, an owner who you know, is going to provide the support, the resources uh, to help the club um, you know, hopefully uh, achieve what they're, uh, aiming for, but he's not somebody who's super hands-on, like I, as in a public facing way, um, he provides lots of support. Um, but you know, it's, it's mostly like positive messages on social media, not so much, um, you know, kind of day-to-day, like trying to be the, the technical director, you know, anything like that. Um, in Sacramento, I think he's done a good job of hiring good people and letting them do their jobs. And I think that that would obviously be an ideal as well in England. So um, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue that pattern. And so I think, um, you know, a guy who seems to care a lot about his sports teams, but not to the point where he's meddling and, um, you know, taking away from them, um, so I think that that's kind of a best case scenario type situation uh, if you're looking for somebody from abroad. And, um, you know, I will say that obviously he's uh, he has roots in Sacramento and I, I think it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I don't expect he's going to be moving to Huddersfield, but, um, it, you know, that m- dynamic may be a little bit different um, with him, you know, owning a club on the other side of the world. But I still think that, um, you know, he'll, he'll be engaged and, um, you know, interested in, in working for success for Huddersfield Town. But uh, at the same time, um, you know, I think he does a good job of not 
really getting in over his head and and making mistakes because he's um, trying to do roles that you know he's not suited for. So I, I think that's a good sign for for the club. And how has the news gone down stateside and in Sacramento? Yeah, it's interesting um, the the news uh, how it's being received um, in the United States. Um, you know, I think in some ways there are some real parallels between uh, Sacramento Republic and Huddersfield Town as as clubs that have seen um, a measure of success in recent years. Um, you know, obviously with Huddersfield Town previously playing in the Premier League. Um, with Sacramento Republic, uh, again, winning that, that title in their first season, really breaking all kinds of attendance records in their, in their league and getting on the, um, radar of MLS. I think all of that, um, you know, is, is in some ways kind of analogous to, um, a situation with Huddersfield town. Um, at the same time, I will be honest, I think there's not a ton of fans um, of Sacramento Republic like nationally. You know, you don't you don't go to other states and, and see a lot of, um, you know, people who are fans of Sacramento Republic. Um, it, it's a very localized fan base and, and the fan base is really um, strong and supportive, but it, it, it's really very much centered around Sacramento. Um, I, I, as far as I understand, I think it's probably pretty similar for Huddersfield Town. So um, I think in that regard, you know, a lot of people who sort of learned about the news and um, were intrigued. But um, as these are not maybe the clubs that get the most attention in the United States, I would say, um, you know, it's sort of been sort of like a, a curiosity, I guess. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh Sacramento Republic's owner is is buying Huddersfield Town. Huh, okay, cool. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I think it, it's kind of a intriguing wait-and-see type situation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's gotten a little bit of attention, but I think it's probably going to go under the radar for the time being unless, um, you know, one of, the, one of the clubs does something really big, I guess. Um, and, and that'll probably help bring attention to the other one and, and kind of, um, you know, what's going on with, with Nagel's portfolio of, of teams overall. We've seen some criticism towards Kevin Nagel and his, about his lack of ability to turn Sacramento Republic into an MLS team. Could you briefly explain the situation and why Nagel's being criticised? Yeah, so I think the elephant in the room in talking about Nagel and talking about Sacramento Republic is the thwarted bid for an MLS club. Um, so in the United States... When it comes to MLS, uh, we have a closed system, meaning no promotion and relegation. Um, and that means that clubs that enter MLS um, have to pay enormous fees uh, in order to get into the league. And once they're in the league, they're in the league. But um, that means that the, the fees are becoming more and more expensive over time. Um, in addition, in most cases, uh, clubs also have to build a stadium uh, to accommodate the new MLS team. Um, and so in the case of Sacramento Republic, they had uh, a, an ambitious, but I think reasonable stadium plan. Um, they had everything set to go. They seemed to be on the verge of, you know, shovels in the ground, really starting with the construction work um, during the pandemic. Um, and Nagel had brought on a, another investor, uh, Ron Burkle, who... Um, is a venture capitalist, uh, 
I think a guy who has quite a bit more money than Nagel does. And he was supposed to sort of shepherd the MLS um, era, helping to finance the stadium and then also um, looking to uh, pay the fee for expansion. Um, and then Nagel would sort of step back and be um, a minority partner and, you know, maybe maintain the uh, local connection with the ownership, but not be the person who was like bankrolling everything. Um, so what ended up happening was that the second person, Ron Burkle, um, ended up deciding he didn't want to proceed with the MLS um, club and pulled out entirely. So that meant that um, Sacramento, which had gotten entry into MLS, but they needed to pay their fees to get in, um, they didn't pay the fees because Burkle didn't pay the fees. Um, and they didn't be get, begin construction on the stadium project either, um, which had a lot of knock-on effects in itself. Um, in addition to an MLS team, they were supposed to bring uh, a women's team, the an NWSL team, the, the top flight of women's soccer uh, as well. Um, and that team ended up going to San Diego instead. Um, and so Sacramento went from uh, seeming to be on the verge of having two top flight teams um, in each of the, the men's and women's uh, side of the game to having no uh, <laughs> top flight teams, soccer teams, um, and, and the men's team remaining in, in the lower divisions. Um, so to say that this was pulling the rug out from under Nagel, I think was an understatement. Nagel, um, you know, said in the, in the, immediate aftermath that he was going to be looking for a replacement um, or multiple replacement uh, investors to, you know, make the MLS dream a reality. But unfortunately, at this point, it seems as though, um, you know, MLS is, is past uh, Sacramento by and unless something really significant changes or expansion continues in MLS, which is certainly a possibility, um, it, it, otherwise it looks like, uh, Sacramento is out in, in terms of MLS and, and they, for the time being, they've hit their ceiling. There's not going to be a be beautiful new gleaming stadium. There's not going to be uh, top flight soccer, um, as expected. And, you know, that's a huge blow for the club. Um, you know, there's no mistaking that. And, and I think it's, it's been a real disappointment in Sacramento, um, again, I think Nagel's tried to be upbeat publicly and, and, you know, tried to work for getting, getting that bitter, um, getting the investment that he needs to supplement, um, all the fees that are coming his way. Um, but it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. Now, what that means is, I guess that means that he has the money to invest in something else, like say Huddersfield town. Um, so it, it may end up being to, um, Huddersfield town's benefit that this all fall apart for Sacramento. Um, but it is, it remains a bewildering turn of, of events. Um, I think it's pretty clear that, um, you know, Nagel could not afford to invest in an MLS team on his own. Uh, I expect that the fee to purchase uh, Huddersfield Town and, and cover the debts is probably going to be much smaller than what um, entry fees into MLS would be. And so um, in that regard, I think maybe buying Huddersfield Town as uh, counterintuitive as it may seem uh, may end up being a better deal for him financially. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a surprising turn of events, but um, given how many American um, 
investors have, you know, purchased either shares or clubs entirely in England and um, across Europe in the last decade plus, um, you know, it, it's not altogether surprising uh, to see what's happened. Finally, is there anything else Huddersfield Town fans should know about Nagel? Yeah, again, I think when it comes to Nagel, I think, um, you know, as I've said before, his he, he seems to genuinely support um, the teams that he owns. And I think that that will continue with uh, Huddersfield Town. And there really haven't been any, like, blaring uh, alarm bells, um, you know, that in my experience in, in covering Sacramento Republic or American soccer overall. Um, again, I think the uh, failure of Sacramento Republic to date to um, actually get into MLS as expected was not really down to Nagel. I think it's it's more down to, you know, the partner who pulled out. Um, and, you know, I think he was really trying his hardest to, to make that a reality. So I think you get somebody who, you know, seems to be a pretty earnest um, person. Um, you know, I don't know him well personally, but again, there's, there's been nothing to date that I've seen, um, that indicates that, uh, there's, you know, cause for concern or, um, you know, he has a terrible reputation or anything like that. Um, I think this is a pretty intriguing investment and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how it, it, um, transpires. I'm also going to be curious to see if there's going to be any overlap, I guess, between Sacramento Republic and, um, Huddersfield Town. Again, these are not teams that necessarily get a ton of international attention. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see if there's players who, you know, move between the clubs or on loan or otherwise, um, if friendlies are, uh, you know, scheduled between the teams and, you know, if there's other ways that they can um, kind of build the brand of, of the other um you know, in, in maybe some creative ways, because again, I think um, both clubs are intriguing, um, but maybe they need a little more uh, broader attention. And, and this, who knows, maybe a way for that to happen. So I'll, I'll be curious to kind of follow along and, and, and see what transpires moving forward. Okay, so we've heard from Alicia. Um, so, Tom, I'm going to come to you first. Um, as our resident town fan, obviously I'm not a town fan, I'm just merely a town host. Okay. Adjacent. Um, <laughs> what what do you make of it all? Obviously, we heard last week that it was you know in process. We didn't know who it is, and um, here we are. We've got uh, Kevin is here. Um, I mean, number one, I think I'm glad it's done, and there's 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 actually been movement on it. Um, Dean's kind of got his what he's wanted before he. I mean, he he shouldn't be here anyway, really, in the sense that. He wanted to sell sell to Phil and basically have nothing to do with town, I guess. So look, that's that's done now. Um it's a new owner. It's really interesting, isn't it? I think uh my mate Lee, I saw him do a tweet about it, and I think in 115 years, we've had two owners of Huddersfield Town who aren't technically local. Um and this is like the first international one, I think. So um it's quite interesting. It's an interesting move for town. It's um, it's like with when Wagner came in, he was like his first manager, who basically wasn't from the UK as well. So um, I mean, I am I'm I'm quite excited just because it's a completely fresh slate, isn't it? Um, we don't know a lot about him, but at the end of the day, right? I, 
who was going to buy town? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hopefully Dean has done enough research and look, what what I like to think is Dean Hoyle is a Huddersfield Town fan and hopefully he has thought, right, this guy and whoever his investors are are going to at least make Huddersfield Town a semi-competitive championship club, which I think that's where we should be. Um, that's that's the that's what I'm clutching at at the moment, Brady, really. Yeah, I mean, I'll come to Steve because let's be honest, I think the listeners are more interested in what Steve has to say about <laughs> it. But I think, um, I yeah, would. yeah, I'm, I can be rude to myself. No, I wasn't talking about Tom there. Tom is. Uh, that was it, so. It, it really, it really felt like you were talking about Tom. I was not talking about Tom. I, I love Tom. I, should, I just leave this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't leave. Please stay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, I agree with. I, look, we don't know who the other people of this group are going to be. Um, I think that's interesting. And again, just because it's an international break, we've not had the games to kind of. Look ahead to, I think, you know, the rumour mills go, go rife and, like, you know, everyone chats and everyone speculates. Everyone thinks they have the answer. You know, I've seen stuff that he's got three million in net worth or he's got three billion. Um, <laughs> I think we'll just wait and see. I think what's really important is um, I think the club did did need new owner. Uh, I think it needs new voices, new energy. And I hope this uh, Kevin Nagel and his team bring that. Um Again, you touched on Dean there. I think this is really important for his legacy. I know Matt touched on it, but this is going to decide for me how, how he's viewed. I know that's awful to say, but, you know, unfortunately, the record with American investors and owners in English football is very mixed. I think that's maybe mm-hmm. putting it politely. So, yeah, we'll see. But, I, you know, for, for, for Kevin Nagel and his team, I, I think the thing I would say is with the previous stuff with the owners is we've had a lot of words and a lot of things we'd like to do. I think this really is the time for action. We've been mismanaged, in my opinion, so poorly on and off the pitch this season. Um, I think he needs to, you know, he needs to do rather than say. Um, so we'll see. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit excited. But, um, yeah, we have something to talk about, don't we, Tom? Sorry. Brady, can I ask you, can I ask you a question, though, as well? Because, like, it's it's really interesting. Like, what do you what do you um, see as success as a football club as well? I think is a really kind of important question. As like, I I've always thought these, especially these last few years with town, one of the having affordable season tickets, having affordable for getting as many feet feet in as possible, making sure the the community can have it. All those community things that. Stevens just basically listed off from the charity aspect and things like that. So important. And it's like, I think that it's like, for me, it's 50, 50. If he can kind of continue all the good stuff, maybe even make that a little bit better. And then it just be good to have, yeah, a well-run football club. I can, I can, I can accept thinking, right. Okay. We we're kind of living within our means. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if he has an investor who's like, oh, bloody hell, I'll give you 50 million or whatever for, yeah, um, transfer budget. But do you know what I mean, Brady? It's it's quite an interesting one. I, I, I think I'm one of these football fans. I'm not, I don't want him to come in and just, I'm not fussed about how much money he has really from that sense. It's more about where the club can go. And I saw quite a, I think it was um, Andy, um, 
Andy shared a video, yeah, from uh, the Sacramento team about their community stuff. And I mean, for me, that gave me a little bit of a an insight potentially of hopefully it, it at least keeps that going. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, just just quick, I, I agree with you. I think the community stuff is really important and I think that's one of the, the positives you can say about Dean. I think, um, you know, the, the town foundation and the stuff they do, that that is really important to me. Like, I think we've got a lot of kudos for that, um, you know, when we're in the Premier League and stuff like that. But it's not just that, like, you know, we are, the club embodies itself as a working class club, but it needs to look after its local community. And I think that's what I'd like to see with a new owner. In terms of, I think town, you know, again, I'm, I'm biased. I'm a fan and Steve, I'd be really interested to get your opinion on this, but I want, you know, I think I look at stuff for, so for example, you know, the ground could do with a bit of love. I'd love them to, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, like we don't need to have suddenly have Tottenham stadium or whatever, but just, I just think it needs some repairs. It needs a bit of love. I, I just, you look at stuff like, for example, the rope walk that shut down. It'd be great if they could turn that into something and maybe, you know, the club, but I think um, exactly you know, that's kind of that's that's spot on. And I, I think that's what I I think I'm kind of getting at more is like yeah, me, I'd love it to the ground and stuff. There's that where they had the fan part that time behind the golf. Like they've got all that space now. It'd be good to see some. I'd rather see investment in that really than spending yeah. silly money on wages and stuff like that. And yeah. um just getting players in you know that are gonna give your all for that shirt really the classic yeah. yeah I think um yeah on the pitch like I think Huddersfield is, you know look we've come we've been promoted once we came really close last season we've got one of the lowest wage budgets in the in the league I think um I don't think I'd like us to even the, the playing field you know like I don't think that would take much and we've seen we can perform miracles with little. So imagine if we had a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of cash. Um, I don't know. I it's weird. I, I I don't particularly want to go back to the the Premier League. Um, because I think you know, even if Town have a sort of like huge amount of investment, I still think the gap, financial gap between the Premier League and the Championship is just getting bigger and bigger. Um, I just want you know, I'm going to use Cody's thing. I just want to go for the turnstile. Um, on a Saturday, feel good and feel like we can, yeah, yeah, we can yeah. beat whoever we're going to play and like have a club that we're proud of on and off pitch. So I think that's it for me. But Steve, come on, um, we'll get you in. What are your thoughts on it? And like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I suppose it's been a bit of a crazy past week for you. Yeah, I, I think I think it's difficult to say at the moment, and and I'm always quite wait and see on things anyway. Whether he was, you know, planning on coming in and keeping things exactly as they are and not putting any more investment in or whether he was, you know, coming in with, you know, 50, 50 mil to, to plonk down, as Tom says, and and go straight at it. I, I still think it's still a bit wait and see. I think, as you say, there's, there's lots of things we don't have any details on at the moment, like what is the vision for the club? Are there further investors behind the bid? Um, what are their ambitions? Is the stadium part of their plans? Is that something that they've already started working on as and, and put a proposal together for on as part of the takeover, or is it something they're going to look at after they've taken over? Um, you know, we don't, obviously we don't know which division town are going to be in next year. How does that change things? I, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknown still, and I think it's it's good to obviously have a obviously the announcement first of all. That was the biggest relief, I think. 
probably everyone, including people inside the club, will have, have felt enormously relieved that it's that it's all but done. Obviously, it needs the EFL and FCA approvals, so we're probably looking at a couple of months before that comes through. But um, I think that was the main thing. And then, obviously, there are a few days there where we still didn't have a name. I think having a name is helpful in some ways, unhelpful in others, because um, obviously you, you've got people... It's it's difficult to dig into, as you say, exactly what he's worth. Um, I think there's good things with, with Sacramento Republic that you can see from an immediate Google. There's also some, you know, some suggestion, you know, a few years ago that they maybe needed someone with more financial clout to become an MLS franchise. I'm not an MLS expert. I, I'm not in a position to say how much, you know, what that means, you know, and what that means relative to a championship or a League One club. Um, so there's just, as I say, a lot of a lot of unknowns here. I think, as you say, though, I think if it had continued without any kind of announcement on a takeover, it, it would have been the the worst thing that could have happened to town over the next few weeks of the season. And I think whether they whether they go down as seems more likely, or whether they pull off the minor miracle of staying up in the championship, I think at least now that there's been an announcement, fans can sort of look forward to the summer at least with a bit of intrigue around it. You know, it's not necessarily to say it's going to be great and exciting and you're going to go and sign Kylian Mbappe and stick him up top with Danny Ward just to crib a David Hartrick line. But front two. I know. Um, walking to any side in Europe, that front two. But I, I think there's at least now a bit of intrigue, a bit of hope that there is a, going to be a plan now there's obviously, you know, we're not even talked about the fact we don't know who the manager's going to be next season or the head coach or what the structure of the club's going to be. There's, there's so many things that, that we need answers on uh, that we'll have to wait. You know, I'm sure they have a good idea of, of how they would want to approach all of those things. And realistically, they're going to be working towards it even before they get the confirmation of the takeover because you want to make a running start as soon as you even if they can't actually sign any paperwork at the moment, I'm sure they'll be putting plans in place for what they're going to do. So it'll be interesting to see when that comes to bear um, and when we get to, to the summer and get to the takeover being finalised, what the plans are. But it's it's still, still a lot of unknowns. But I think it's <laughs> either way, I think had to happen and, and is a lot better than than, you know, if this was dragging on into the summer and into the start of next season. Definitely. And Steve, like obviously when you or Dave come on, we talk about how you're investing neutral, but obviously you speak to a lot of fans that like you cover, you know, you speak to the club, like you, you know what's going on. And I just, I suppose be interested to know from your perspective, what, what do you think town town need from this new ownership? Obviously me and Tom have said, but you know, from someone who, who has the finger on the pulse more than me and Tom, like what, what do you think town need from this? I think they needed a reset whoever had been in charge, you know, even if we're in an alternate reality where where Dean hadn't had to step away and was still in charge and was willing to, you know, keep putting money into it at the rate that he that he was when he was 100% owner previously. I think even then you would be saying they need a, a reset on, on that squad. Um, they need a reset on perhaps looking at some of their philosophy of how they do things. I think, I think town... 
are always in a tough position because, as you mentioned, the wage bill is one of the lowest in the league. And I know that some people just see this as an excuse, particularly when you've been to the playoff final last year and you've been to the playoff island, you know, you've been to the Premier League for two years. Um, but wage bill is the best indicator of how a club is likely to perform. Town shouldn't be in the relegation zone. I'm not using it as an excuse. You know, I'm not. I'm not excusing that they've gone from the playoff final and finishing third to being in the bottom three. That shouldn't happen regardless of your wage bill. But I think they were always sort of likely to be fighting gravity to a certain extent. So I'm sort of reluctant to say this because I think that the championship football in particular, football in general, but championship football in particular, as we talked about on our own podcast, the spending on wages is is ludicrous i think it must be the worst league in the world for spending more money than you're actually bringing into a club um and being competitive in that kind of environment is just it's it takes someone who is willing to sort of throw the money away basically um but that is you know you can rail against whether that's right or wrong whether there needs to be stronger governance on it whatever it might be and i think there does but that's a conversation for another day the reality is, if they are in the championship, whether that's by staying up or getting promoted back, that's the environment they're coming back into, and they need to be competitive within it. And and you know, it's it's not the way it should be. But but realistically, if they want to be, as you're saying, a, an established championship club at the very least, who might occasionally push for promotion, they're going to have to increase the the wage spent and the wage bill. Um, you also mentioned some things off the pitch as well. I think obviously the stadium, it is showing its age um, in, in a lot of ways, you know, it's, it's 30 years old and or, or coming up to it. And uh, I think there's some bits of it that sort of show that um, I think that needs sorting out and also need resolving what the longer term future is. Cause I think the, the 40, 40, 20 split, the KSDL arrangement has been, seems to have been quite fraught, for a while now um and and probably needs someone to take uh take that stadium forward and take that project forward i think obviously as well once they the new owners do get in the door engaging the fans is going to be really important because I, th- I think it's something that previously the club has prided themselves on you know they used to have the the q a's with dean hoyle they still have the att which is quarterly but I think because of the circumstances of this season, not to do with on the pitch, but because of what's been happening off the pitch, they've been unable to talk about anything. They've, they've actually postponed ATT, which is unusual for them. Uh, so I think getting some kind of, um, getting off on the right foot in terms of fan engagement, just to show that they're they're dedicated, that they're, and just putting the right message out. You know, let's be honest, we all know 90% of it is going to be PR, isn't it? It's a PR exercise. Um, but I think people I think people would at this stage, I think a lot of town fans would welcome that, would welcome that there's an effort being made to put some PR out there, even. Um, because it has been for reasons outside the club's control, uh, silent for, for the last sort of five, six months. Um, so there's there's sort of a, a checklist there that they need to go through and some some are immediate, some are long-term projects, but <sighs> I, I sort of agree that, that the main thing is just making it so that the, the fans can go and, and have a, you know, have a nice day out when they go and watch down because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, talk about trophies and you talk about, um, you know, pursuit of glory and Premier League. Um, but 
ultimately, you know, we all know that you can have as much fun go, going for the league, going for the playoff final in League One as you can um, going for it in, in the championship final uh, and going into the Premier League. So just whatever division they're in, I think just bring a bit of fun back. Very well said. I mean, you've got we've got Tom who loves Alan Lee, and let's be honest, Alan Lee wasn't you know the heyday for town. Although Tom would disagree, but yeah, yeah, you're spot on, Steve. I think fun. Um, I've not really. I'm sure you you've been to a lot of games this season where it's not been fun. The only I was talking to someone about this the other day, and the only time I feel like I've had fun this season was probably Warnock's first game. Maybe that Stoke game, yeah. one three one. It's very hard. It's so, <laughs> such an like it's such an underrated aspect of supporting a club, and like you always hear people talk about like oh falling out of love with it or or whatever like I think it is just you just want to have fun you just want to go and have a laugh and enjoy enjoy the day out um and 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 enjoy following your team I think that's all anyone really wants I think that's sort of I think I don't know I feel like everything gets taken sort of so seriously now um that I think people lose sight that it's just meant to be fun No, spot on. And we try and bring the fun, don't we, Tom? Um, so, you know, it, hey, if you're listening, new owners, you know, me and Tom have got plenty of ideas. We've come up with some wacky ones. I, I would think we've talked about this on a previous pod, Tom, but do you remember the halftime competition where you kicked a ball through the hole in the shed to win a shed? Bring that back. That was great. Great entertainment. Um, I remember there was an idea about using, changing the, well, the, not the Panasonic stand, the fantastic media stand. Putting big some, red stand. Yeah, putting some weird... We were going to do something with that wall, Brady. You might have to go back through episodes and find that. But yeah, we've got plenty of fun ideas. Yeah, get in touch. And Steve, Steve entertains uh, silly ideas with us as well on this podcast. I believe, Mr. I believe Mr. Blob is available on a freelance basis if you're looking for a replacement <laughs> for Tilly. Oh, where is Tilly, Steve? That's a good question. Where's she gone? Um... Breaking kayfabe here. I think they can't find someone who can do it full time, who's willing to commit to it, uh, <laughs> who who also has the relevant CRBs. Oh. That, that's the boring answer. Um, oh, if you don't want to put that in the podcast, if you want to edit that out, um, she's uh, she's gone to live on a farm um, <laughs> somewhere in the fields, <laughs> elsewhere in in West Yorkshire. Um, somewhere. Will somewhere we see Kirk. her again? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, Terry, you just feel bad for Terry because you can tell that he's taken the divorce quite hard. Yeah. <laughs> he got into such good shape around the 2009, 2008 mark, didn't he? Really weirdly got into, he looked a bit more like a fox and then <laughs> it all went to pot when she left him. <laughs> yeah. yeah wow. I mean, but he still, he still looks better than he did originally. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's lost a lot of weight since then, as, uh, particularly around the head region. Is he going to have his midlife crisis? Are we going to see Terry on like a Harley Davidson? At the <laughs> oh god, that's going to be the American rebrand, isn't it? Make Terry oh, really like a nineties video game mascot, just making him really put a pair of shades. <laughs> I um sorry, there's Tim, Timmy's a just... cheerleader now. <laughs> on the subject of um silly things uh, my uh, joe obviously we know on the pod um we were chatting we suggested for an announcement video that um it's a, a drunk yorkshireman punching an american eagle and that's how they announced the, the <laughs> <laughs> like the, 
um don't i think that's a terrible idea so don't use that obviously wouldn't want to do that in person um anyway let's um before we uh before we move on from the honest stuff is there anything uh you guys want to say tom anything you want to add now steve anything you'd like to say yeah did you know benjamin franklin wanted the turkey to be the national bird of america not not bald eagle really i didn't know that Uh, uh. turkey's weird yeah, he felt it, he felt it better represented like the working class roots of of America, uh-huh. but they went for the inspirational thing. Mm. Yeah, who knows how different the world looked. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, they're vicious. Anyway, sorry, listen to <laughs> probably the most listened to pod we did in this season. We're talking about turkeys. Turkey, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should introduce it. Turkey talk. Right. Um, okay, turkey. well, we do talk turkey regularly on here. Um, Chicken on but turkey. But yeah, let's, <laughs> let's talk about a game because uh, we're playing Middlesbrough. Um, I did that at the start of the intro and we've we've kind of forgotten about that. But they're third in the table. Uh, mm. They're on 67 points, which is 31 more points than Huddersfield Town and also 19 places higher. Borough have lost just once in the last 10 league games, which was a 2-0 defeat to West Brom, um, home of Tom's favourite manager, who he definitely doesn't boo at every opportunity. Um, <laughs> also, in the last 10 away matches, Middlesbrough have the second best away record in the league, winning seven. Uh, and the only team that has a better away record than them, Burnley. Tom, the flying high, um, but we did see... That we got a result against Middlesbrough, uh, Middlesbrough, Millwall, um, when you know it wasn't expected. Do you have any hope heading into this one? Um, I do have renewed hope. Unfortunately, um, the middles, the Mills, <laughs> the Millwall win has made me have a bit of belief again, which has annoyed me a little bit because I was almost resigned to the relegation. Um, but I don't know, Brady. They are scared of Neil Warnock and that is the only positive that I can take Um, I think when we go to the uh, fan chat there's some good stats on Neil Warnock's record against uh, Middlesbrough so yeah it gave me a bit of hope as well so why not Um, we're at home Warnock will want to get one over his old team it's either going to be a 1-0 town or like a 5-1 Middlesbrough win probably yeah do you hear that, listener? It's positive, Tom. It's back again. We positive, Tom predicting a 5 1 win. Yeah. <laughs> but he said 1 0. I, I think you can tell when Tom's like, Do you know what? It's when it's the, Do you know what? Um, so, yeah, fair enough. Steve, um, it, it is, Tom touched on it, it's Warnock's old side. Um, you'd assume he wants to get one over on them and prove. Do, do you think that'll actually have any extra influence on the fixture? Uh... No, <laughs> sorry, I'm not a great believer in stuff like that. Besides, with Warnock, if it was him trying to get one over his former side, it'd be half the games in this division, wouldn't it? So, yeah. um, no, I, I doubt it will have much bearing, but uh, yeah, it is a tough game, as you've talked about. You know, they are one of the best away teams in the division, they're the second highest scoring team in the league. Some of their results recently. If you're looking at them as a town fan, are quite scary. Um, they've got into the habit of winning by sort of by scoring three goals or more um, in a game. Um, they're a very imposing team, and obviously they're on a mission as well because they're they're 
you know, hunting down Sheffield United. I can tell you writing for Yorkshire Live, where we have a Sheffield United writer, half of what they're writing about at the moment is what Middlesbrough are doing because it's a, mm-hmm. it's it's the race um, for, for second at the moment between those two sides. And um, their results recently, they've, they've closed the gap down to three. I know Sheffield United have a game in hand, but, you know, Bur- Borough will be gunning for that. Um, so... Yeah, they're um they're a very very strong team in very good form. Unfortunately, I think the positive for town just to sort of move away from Borough and obviously we know the threat they've got with Akpom and and Archer, the the two very informed players at the moment. But you know, I think Town getting that win over Millwall, getting that draw against Norwich, even you know, and and even West Brom, where I know they lost but I thought they actually played pretty well against West Brom, relatively speaking. And when I say well, I mean for a team in the bottom three against a team in the top half, you know, it's. I'm not saying that they deserve to win that game 3-0 or anything, but I think the last, the last three games, I think if Town stay like that the rest of the season, they're probably going to get similar kinds of results where they'll sort of win one, draw one, lose one, <laughs> because let's be fair, they don't have a huge number of goals. Well, they don't really have goals in their side at all, Town, and they haven't all season. I don't think they're going to have added that over the international break. I think it's unrealistic to expect that. So I think they do go into sort of every game knowing that if they're going to win, they're, they're kind of reliant on a bit of luck um, and and a lot of good defending and, and good goalkeeping. Um, I think they've shown they can do that over the past, past three games or so, um, three or four games, really, including Bristol City as well. Um but I think it's still hard to go into games, particularly the the next three, which are all really difficult, with a huge amount of confidence. I think I think you've kind of nailed it, Tom, which is it sort of feels like they it's either gonna be another four nil on, on town's end or they're gonna win one nil or it's gonna be a nil nil. Um yeah, I think it's I think the key is particularly the way that Borough are and, and their recent results, if Borough do go ahead then town need to make sure they stay in it and they don't, you know, that they, they do what they did against Norwich rather than what they did against Coventry. Because um, if Borough get a sniff that, that town are vulnerable, they're just going to tear them apart. Yeah, agreed. I think it is a good point, actually, because I was, I was chatting to um, the Borough breakdown they're all here from shortly, but, you know, you, you touched on it there, Steve, like, if, if you just said to me, you know, if we say we lose to Middlesbrough, you get you get four points against Norwich, Middlesbrough and Millwall, you'd be really chuffed with that. So um, I think what's kind of key for me is is the performance. Like, I, I, I'm not expecting, I don't think many people are expecting town to win, but we give a good account of ourselves. You know, you touched on the West Brom game, but we did give a good account of ourselves and it's, you know, it's just a bit of a sloppy foul for the penalty, you know, no, I think that'd be quite encouraging, and we keep trying to. This is the thing, Tom. It's the hope that kills you. But we keep talking about this. We keep looking at the fixtures. And they slightly change every week, <laughs> you know. Like you look at, you know, Watford coming mm. up, and you're like, well, do you know what? Watford are a bit mm. Jekyll and Hyde. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, this is the one where I think if we were going to have a fluke, I think it was not a fluke, but catching by surprise. I think mm. that's kind of almost gone for me because we had that against Millwall. So I think they'll kind of be extra, you know, aware. Um, but I think, as you I think said, sorry, I, I, sorry, Steve. I think this might be the hardest game they've got left, and I include Sheffield United on that. If you're going on current form and league table and home and away record and things like that, I think this is the toughest one Town have got left. 
one thing we haven't mentioned that we should Borough's away defensive record isn't brilliant. They're you know they've they've conceded the same number of goals as Rotherham away from home. Um, you know they scored over twice as many goals as Town this season, but they've only um, what's that? Hang on, their defensive record they're only better by Town have conceded fifty three, Borough conceded forty two. So they're not you know obviously they're a better side they're third. Um, but they are a team that they're a bit, they're a bit ninety six Newcastle, aren't they? <laughs> Will they'll just outscore you? Mm. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's more the performance for me. But Tom, we can we can hear from the the Borough side because I bet they're loving it at the moment. And um, yeah, Michael Carrick looks like he's a good boss, isn't he? But you you caught up with Johnny, didn't you? Yeah, Johnny from the Borough Breakdown. Johnny from the Borough Breakdown gave me a breakdown on Borough. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy for you to say. <laughs> We've lost to a pub side. We've literally lost to a pub side. Hi, mate. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. So, how's your season going? Hello, guys. Johnny here from the Borough Breakdown podcast. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, how's our season going? <laughs> really, really well, to be honest. You know, these last few months have just been pinch me moments and I've never seen a Borough team uh, win so many games, I guess, in, in a row or, you know, playing as well as we are in terms of as a group level. You know, we've had some great players over the years, some great teams, but this team is just a little bit different um, and we're playing really, really well. And since Carrick's came into the building, it's just been one direction. It's just been up, and I'm hoping you know we can get that second spot. Because I don't feel confident about the playoffs at all because Borough's uh, history at Wembley is terrible. But yeah, I'm feeling really good at the moment. We're playing really good stuff, and we're just a joy to watch. Who's a standout player for you so far? In terms of standout players, like I think it's very easy to say Tuba because of his you know his goal record this season. First player since Bernie Slaven to, to break that 20 goal barrier. And it looks like if he keeps going, he'll hit that 30 mark, which is insane. And no one, I don't think anyone would have seen that coming. In terms of other players to watch, apart from Tuba, Cameron Archer has been sensational since he's came in from Aston Villa. Marcus Force on the right hand side is playing really well. Um, Ryan Giles is really good too on that left hand side. You know, we'll see what, what you'll see in the game probably on Saturday is that McGree will come over and, and play between the lines and move over to that right-hand side um, from the left, which will create the space for Giles to get in down the line and whip that ball in for either Akpom or Archer to come in and hopefully get the end on it if, if McGree plays. He, he has been uh, away with Australia, but I think he's probably going to start. If not, uh, Aaron Ramsey will take up that space and you'll see Giles whip the ball in. So just something to watch out for, but yeah, Giles... Force, McGree, Archer, and Aquam. It's just been collectively as a group, we've been really, really good. So there's quite a few players for us to watch. And what's your score prediction against Town? In terms of the game on Saturday, um, I'm very nervous about this game. It's because of one man, and it's Neil Warnock. Uh, our record against him is absolutely horrendous. Um, he's played us 12 times in his management career, uh, won 10, lost 2, and in the last four games we've played against him, uh, they his teams have won one nil. Uh, so yeah, I'm not feeling very confident at all. You know, I'm feeling very confident we'll get one. It's probably more than anything. Um, but I'm hoping you know if we can go there um, and get a result, beat the one who do, 
then you start to believe even more that we could potentially get the automatics this season. So fingers crossed we do that. My prediction is I think we're going to beat it and I think hopefully we're going to win 2-0. Um, fingers crossed, but it's just that back of my mind, it's Neil Warnock and I'm fearing the worst uh, on that aspect. So we'll see. But guys, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, hopefully you can get out of the, the relegation scrap and, and stay up this season. Um, I feel like you're a good enough side to, to hopefully stay up. So Fingers crossed for that, but guys, thank you very much for having me on and all the best for the rest of the season, apart from Saturday. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, a lot of positivity. I mean, touching on Carrick is interesting, isn't it, Brady, because his name was thrown around for town, um, obviously, when... Uh, was it after Schofield? Yeah. 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 Um, and it does ask questions, doesn't it? But, I mean, that Borough team is better on paper, I would potentially say, and it's... Could he have come to town and done? I mean, we probably wouldn't be in the bottom three, I'm guessing. Because he, he can obviously put a team together, can't he? Yeah, I mean, Borough, yeah. More more resource, I think there's that. But also, you know, he's got Mike Phelan and Rennie Mullenstein, who are two, you know, very experienced coaches. And let's be honest, you know, town did give Fobringham a coach for ages, so I doubt they would have done that. So, <laughs> uh, you know, probably still have Paul Harsley with him. <laughs> I think, I think no, Borough have just got an extremely well balanced squad, though. Like you look at, you look at the first eleven from the last game, and it's all sort of it's names that you would know as like, oh yeah, they're a good championship player for their position. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, but we'll go to a break. But I tell you what, do you know what always goes well with a break? Um, it's a can of Magic Rock beer. This episode is, of course, sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. And don't forget, you can get 10% off any orders you do online with the code AHTTC10. So get it used. Tom, putting it in before the end of the episode caught you off guard there. Look at that. Yeah, you did. There you go. I don't well, mind now then. Yeah, exactly. Right, we're going to go have a sip and come back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, we're back. Um, we're slightly sozzled. Uh, so it's time for the mailbag. You've got mail. First question comes from Oliver Barnes. He says, if the club was to go down, are there any positives? And also, what's your perfect Sunday? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that, Oliver. Um, in case anyone doesn't know, uh, that's from the uh, end of season review we did last season where um, I got very drunk and asking everyone what their first perfect Sunday was. Um I'd go for um I'd go to Legoland and then have a, a lovely lamb lunch in, in Windsor. Okay. Is that, 
Is that your genuine or is that like a no? That's reference? that's that's Alan Partridge's perfect Sunday. Sorry, that's nice. Oh, okay, him. not a cracking owl sanctuary. Actually, it's not. It's a the, the perfect Sunday of a caller to um uh. to, to Alan Partridge's show. Um, Partridge would rather go to the wild fa- wild fall wild fowl park in Pepperstock with a bottle of scotch. <laughs> this is assuming he's spending the Sunday with Sean Connery. Sorry, um, positives <laughs> to going down. Um, I mean, obviously, he'd rather stay in the division. I think it's like, I think it's daft to to suggest that that staying in League One offers sort of any positives um, over staying in the championship. But I think if you're looking for silver linings, one I was thinking about the other day is we don't know what sort of the shape of the squad would be. There's, there's a few players that you, you would think would get picked off either by Premier League or championship sides um, in that town squad. Um, like Lee Nichols, Silver Thomas. Um, there's a couple who are out of contract as well, Josh Caroma and, and Danny Ward, etc. Um, but I think they've got, and I'm not saying these would all start, but you look at some of the youngsters, if they stayed, and it's like Brahima Diara, I think, would do well in League One. Etienne would be, I think, one of the best midfielders in, in League One. Kasumu was one of the best midfielders in League One. Rodoni, one of the best attack midfielders in League One. Ben Jackson, Pat Jones, um, Jaheim Headley, uh, Bro- uh, Brody Spencer could even come through. I think the championship's a little bit beyond him, but I think League One probably would be about his level. They do, you know, Tyree Simpson, they've got a clutch of players there. Scott High, I know he's not everyone's favourite, but he did really well in League One when he was there last time. They've got a clutch of players there who I think would be sort of pretty ready-made for for league for a League One squad, even if they weren't all starting. I think they've got a lot of players there who a lot of League One teams would actually quite fancy signing. Um, you'd obviously need to add to that. You can't have a team of kids. Uh, you'll win nothing with kids. Um, but I, I think if I were looking for the silver lining, I'd be kind of, and this is, this is me, you know, I always like to see a youngster coming through. I, I know that town fans, uh, I've not even mentioned Ramani and Romani Critchlow, by the way, as well. Kieran Phillips, mm-hmm. who was banging him in for Morecambe as well before he got injured and came back. So I know that like town fans with youngsters can be a little bit, well, they're going to be gone in two years anyway. So it doesn't matter to me that they're, that they're young and developing as we've seen with Jack Rodoni this year. Um, But for me as a journalist, I quite like seeing these youngsters come through, particularly ones that have come through the Academy. Um, And if they were to go down, I'd be quite interested to see how a lot of them did in league one. And and I'd rather watch them and see if they can do it than, than watch a load of, of new signings. Um, but I'm sure that I'm kind of alone in that. I've got a different perspective on that to a lot of people, I imagine. I don't think so. Me and Tom have talked about um we I think we got asked last week about oh you know last pod about who we'd have as a retain list. And I'm kind of with you. Like it depends who stays obviously we don't yeah. know but I think um yeah I think we've got the makings of a good squad and uh, you know we don't know who the manager would be but if they got um for example just off the top of my head I know Liam Richardson the next Wigan manager tweeted he was at a town game if you had someone like him um mm. I think it could be quite quite interesting I, you know that we're big fans of Scott High uh, on here I know not everyone is um which I think is very unfair but we've talked yeah about me that too but yeah let's not go into <laughs> Yeah, um, I, th- I, th- I think you're not going to convince those who aren't convinced. Unfortunately, I think it kind of 
speaking up for him, I think makes makes things worse <laughs> in some ways because it just annoys the people who can't see it, doesn't it? It does. He's a man- I've got managers to... player. Managers. I've got so annoyed that if we go into, you know, if we do go down to League One and Scott High has like a redemption season where he's incredible, like some fans don't deserve it because of this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, yeah, no, uh, I think you're right. Um, Positives as well. There's quite a few grounds in League One that I'd like to go to. Um, And let's be honest, might have a better chance of winning games. (laughs) So. uh, there's I that. always when I used to do the rounds on the league paper where I was going around all the Yorkshire teams, um, I always quite I always really liked League One because it's like um because I was doing a bit of championship, a bit of league one, a bit of league two, and, and league one was often my favourite because it's like got enough quality in it. You'd have players like Anthony Pilkington or whoever who would liven it up, but also everyone is just rubbish enough that it's kind of a bit chaotic <laughs> and, a, and a bit unpredictable um and you get weird results like Sheffield Wednesday losing to Forest Green the other day um which I know you get in the championship as well but like I think League One has a bit more of that chaos factor which sometimes goes against you obviously but um can make it kind of fun to watch rather than like I love tactical chess as you know but sometimes you can't you just can't beat like a mad game <laughs> yeah definitely I mean, we, we talked about this as well. And again, this is a pure hypothetical, but I know he's only on loan, but for some reason, I just have a feeling Martin Waghorn would be really good in League One. I just I don't know. I have nothing to go that on. Um, I mean, I, it's probably because David McGoldrick's doing so well for Derby, although I think he probably is the better player. But um, yeah, that's my opinion. Tom, any positives for you if we did go down? No, exactly. The, the, the young guns, Mark II, wouldn't it be? And then uh, some new grounds. Yeah, agreed. I know it was uh, 03 04 is a lot of town fans' favourite season, isn't it? Because yeah. for exactly that reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Could, yeah. I don't know. It could be good. I, I mean, the thing is, I, I think I've said this a lot, particularly this season, but, um, you know, as, as James' dad always used to say, whatever league they're in, we'll go watch them. So, <laughs> you know, I think I think there's that. Like we've touched on, um, it's more about what you do around the day and the things around it and who you go with. So, yeah. Um, Tom, perfect Sunday. Have we answered this before? Um. Yeah, I feel like I have. I mean, if my terrible Sunday league team won a game and then we got pretty drunk in the pub afterwards, that's pretty much the perfect Sunday because we never win. That does sound like a good Sunday. My, my legit answer is lounging around on the sofa and, and making a roast dinner in the middle of it and then returning to doing that, by the way. Nice. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think what mine would be. Uh, well, because I'm, I'm doing half marathon training at the moment. Oh, Brady, you're doing half marathon. You don't talk about it. Um, I, if I, doing avoiding the long runs, getting them over with, that would be good. And uh, I quite like watching like a film on a Sunday night. I don't know, just like delays. What, what 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 did you watch at the weekend? John Wick Chapter Four, actually. Uh, the, yeah. I'm going through the classics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, do you not like John Wick, Steve? Never seen it. You never seen it? Oh mate. Well, I think it's not another hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me talk to you about it. Um you gotta enjoy crap films. I mean, I say this like I went to see After Sun and um, with Paul Mescal a couple of weeks ago. That was really good. But then also you want John Wick killing a lot of people, you know. I'm I'm an interesting guy, I'm an eclectic man. He's going out with Phoebe Bridges, isn't he? No, he's not. Did you not hear this, Steve? Oh what? Are they broken up? Oh Apparently, my god. 
Has this become a <laughs> gossip podcast as well? It's become now? a go- gossip podcast. Well, the rumor is, Steve, that they have they've broken up. That is that isn't a rumor, but the rumor is because um, I mean, I don't think Fever Bridges team are going to listen to this, but um, yeah, apparently she cheated cheated on him with Bo Burnham. Yeah, that's an upgrade. To be fair, I can't I can't fault her there. Oh, okay. <laughs> do what do what you like, Phoebe. It's fine. Live your life. Sounds like someone's looking to see Boy Genius uh, and the Halifax piece all, and it's just been nice. So. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. I, I, I want to <laughs> bet like one fan. <laughs> I've got that. Anyway, uh, Jay Bentley asked in the WWE style, this is perfect for Steve. What song would you play as an entrance music as the Terriers run onto the pitch? Uh, he said Big Kev can obviously enter to Real American. Um, do you know what? There's so many people who, who like town who like wrestling or are related to town. It's, uh, it's a bit sickening. Are um, they are they after a wrestler's entrance music or just any entrance music? Any entrance music. So so what you, okay. what would you go for, Steve? Um, you Forever by Self-Esteem, but it's sort of marred by the fact that she's a Jeff of Wednesday fan, which makes it a bit makes it a bit inappropriate. Um I don't want I don't want the racist hot dog Hulk Hogan associated with Huddersfield Town. So uh I'm not I'm not down with the, the real American show. Okay. Um I like that self esteem. That's a good shout. Uh Tom, what would you go for? I really like the spell where we had some quite interesting walkout music. I mean, the boys are back in town is beautiful. It's just a fucking great song. Sorry for swearing, but it just makes me want to crack up the beer and yeah, walk walk down the stairs of the Gal Farm Stadium and uh, yeah, cheer on the boys for being back in town. <laughs> your, your passion for Thin Lizzy brings out the swears. <laughs> <laughs> Thin Lizzy song Jailbreak, right? So like, mm. there's going to be a jailbreak somewhere in this town. I would bet it's the prison. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, Tommy's such a big bloody bloke. Oh, I love Thin <laughs> The boys are back in town. Crack <laughs> over the beer. And, down. <laughs> and then one of my other favourites was when they did... Um, Take, what is it? Take me to the town above, but they changed the lyrics. And they <laughs> there's a team I know. They're the ones I dream of. And that lasted about two games, that did. Would you just take a, a dad rock CD? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. off the front of the mail on Sunday and just go, right, <laughs> yeah. wipe, wipe that on. <laughs> this will get everyone going. So <laughs> it's like that settle until I die scene where he's like, yeah, do you know what we need? And he's like doing that on his desk. Um, <laughs> listeners who won't see that, I'm doing a very awkward dad dance. Um, what would I go for? That's a good question um, that no one particularly wants to know. I, I, I feel like I'd go for like, oh, I listen to like Little Sims. I'd go for something like that. But um, oh, yeah, good shout. Good shout. Um, what would you go for? Oh, um, lost it. Is it called Speed? It's in, it's in my gym playlist. Yeah, um, Speed. That's what I'd have. I mean, you can't because it's got the N-word in it. So, like, sort of counts it out. But yeah. musically, that would be about the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll have a think. I don't, I don't really know. Something upbeat. Um, I'd probably pick something pretentious because that's me. Um, but, 
Yeah, you can't come. I don't know. Anything that's not Sweet Caroline, I think I'm a bit sick of Sweet uh, Caroline. Yeah, can we get into like the rest of Neil Diamond's canon? There's like, you know. Um Neil Diamond, you look at some of the tunes that Neil Diamond's wrote, not just for himself. Yeah, yeah. I'm a believer. Like, one of those, isn't it? Amazing. Tommy, you, are you my dad? <laughs> this is this is any any time to turn to music. Are you going to tell us in a minute as well that at one point he was the highest paid entertainer in the world? Because that's another of our favourites. Absolute legend, Neil Diamond. Oh, do you know what I would have? It wouldn't work. Here you come again, Dolly Parton. What a tune that is! And it work because they're coming out. Here you come again. Yeah. I can yeah, see it. A bit of Dolly, can't beat it. Yeah, red, red wine, that's another diamond track, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> this podcast has gone here, there, and everywhere. Right, um, let's move <laughs> let's move on. I don't want to, but um otherwise this will be three hours long. Um it's you're the boss. <laughs> so <laughs> this was the last line. Matt, Matt is gonna be fuming at the length of this podcast. Yeah, I get to mess about oh on God. your podcast. I can't on my <laughs> I, I'm the host, I have to keep it on track. Yeah, Matt is gonna be fuming at this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> it's all right, Matt. Deal just do it, Matt. just do more wrestling chat and he'll be fine. <laughs> That's true. Um he got annoyed at me actually because I was talking about wrestling and I was saying I I haven't seen wrestling since I was 14, but it was D Generation X. Like I remember Yeah. It's yeah. WrestleMania this weekend, so it's the perfect time. Anyway. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right, okay. So uh, it was a while ago, but Millwall, uh, the last league game, their lineup was Vaslik in net, a back four of Pearson, Lee's, Helic, Ruffles, and then you had Hogg and Reg uh, and the two. So it, Service Squad lifted it as a 4 2 3 1. Steve, I know you're, you probably got a better idea from me. It was, it was a 4 3 3. It was a 4 3 3. Okay. Well, I'm going to carry out reading that because I've not got it as a 4 3 3. It's Hog, Reg, Karama, Rodoni, and Jackson as the three, and then we're going up front. But what, what would you say if it was a 4 3 3? What's the change then? Uh, it was Hog and Rodoni as centre midfielders and uh, Ramani holding. So okay. it's, a, it's a tiny difference. Tiny difference. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, so what it's would you do? Friday. I know. God, well, blame Sofa score, not me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that time someone went for them. Uh, Steve, <laughs> no, they're really good. I use them for a lot of stuff. Steve, what would you do? Would you make any changes? Uh, I think I think Romani playing as that holding midfielder was was obviously it was a an inter, a, a very specific ploy to keep Z and Fleming quiet because he's their star player for Millwall. He's the big creator. You know, I think they're a very rough and ready side um a lot of the time um in a, and in a lot of areas of the pitch but Fleming's the one who's got like you know that that class about him so Romani's brief was just sort of keep him quiet and track him everywhere he went um I am interested to see what what it does because I think I think Borough as I sort of alluded to earlier they're unlike Millwall in that I think you look at every position for for Borough and you think yeah they can be a threat so I, I wouldn't be that surprised if there was a bit more of a um I mean Warnock goes very man for man, uh, as we know. And I think but I think there might be a bit more of a sort of a focus on having a solid shape this time rather than try to pick out one specific threat. So I wouldn't be that surprised if Armani either went back to right back or 
was left out, but then he also did well. So maybe they they go and say, actually, no, you go and chase Chiba Akpom around or, you know, you go and chase Cameron Archer around. Um, he doesn't have to necessarily play that defensive midfield role because um, he was literally, you know, I say it's a 4-3-3, but he really was just chasing wherever Fleming went. Um, and if that meant there was a gap between the lines, then, then so be it. Someone will either step out and fill it or... Or someone will come back and fill it. So uh, I think Wardy will go back in. Um, I don't know what Martin Wagon's fitness status is as we're recording this. Obviously, he went off um, injured just before half time against Millwall. Um, so, but I, I expect Danny Ward will go back in regardless. But other than that, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd change too much. I think the back four has worked well. I think Fatshik has been playing well. Obviously, he loves. Jonathan Hogg. Um, I think Karoma has been doing well. The one change I might be tempted to make would be to go back to the 4-2-3-1. And I've got no inside info here. We'll find out more at the press tomorrow. But I think if Anthony Nakar is is a, available again, uh, having been on compassionate leave, I think a 4-2-3-1 with him as the 10 is is sort of tailor-made. And then you'd have Hoggy and Radoni as your, your central midfielders. All right, that's Steve. You sold me that. Um, be good to to see something from from Knockout as well. Like you say, he's been on compassionate mm-hmm. leave, and I think like when we had Dave on here, it's like you know he'll give you something for twenty minutes that no other player can, and you know that's the type of player we need with this running. So yeah, you sold me. I think I think I'm just gonna copy it. I did think Ward had come back in for this because, as Warnock said, he's his, uh, he's the best player we have at town. So um, yeah, Tom, Dwayne. what about you? Would you make? So, I was about to say, sorry, Dwayne Holmes is another interesting one. I doubt he'd go straight back into the first 11, but I really have no idea where Warnock, how Warnock rates him, where he sees him playing. I think he's, uh, and, and I think he's due back from injury, so he's an interesting one to keep an eye on, I think. I feel like I feel like Warnock would like Holmes, because he's mm. quite versatile. I think we've missed Dwayne, to be fair, um, mm. these last few months. It will be really interesting. I think um pretty, I mean, I think you've you've covered it all already. Wardy probably back in. Josh Cromer's done great. Absolute mm. fair play to Josh Cromer. Like yeah. he, he's keeping Hungbo out of that team, which is you've got to hold your hands up and say absolutely he's doing everything Warnock's asking him to do. He's doing the dirty stuff he's getting back, tracking really well, winning tackles. I think in the build up for our goal, maybe at Millwall he he made quite a good tackle in the middle. You get, he's getting stuck in, isn't he? And I, I just mm. absolutely fair play to him. And maybe he's doing that playing for a contract or at least playing to show potential championship teams that he's good enough to play at this level this season. But, but fine, if if that's what it is and he yeah, does go, exactly. then fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. So, um, well, what are your score predictions for this one then, gents? I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Um I just, I don't, I don't actually think that. I think Middlesbrough will win, but um, <laughs> why not? I just, <laughs> I, I just, uh, yeah. I do you know what, Tom? It's going to happen in this game, isn't it? Rodoni, Rodoni's going to score. Mm-hmm. He'd have thirty-five goals if you asked if our predictions were true, Tom. But uh, I think he's going to do it. I think he's definitely going to score before the end of the season and go on a little run. I hope. <laughs> That's what Warney said, didn't he? If Rudoni gets one, they'll follow. So, um, I think I'm with. I, I'd take a draw, one all, all day long. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, as Stephen said at the start, the, these lot are 
just probably if you take Burnley out of the equation, they're the best team in the league, aren't they, at the moment? So it's going to be very difficult. Maybe three one to Borough. <laughs> yeah, Who's scoring I'm... for you, Tom. Sorry. Um, Redone. <laughs> yes, good man. Go on, Steve. I'm gonna go two nil Borough, <laughs> despite oh, okay. despite what I said earlier. Yeah, I I just think unless. Unless Town get the first, I think the only way they win it is by doing a Millwall and getting the first goal, and then, then, you know, holding off the barrage and maybe trying to get another on the counter. But I think, I think if Borough get the first goal, I would back them to get another and kill it off. That's just what they've been this season, particularly the last few weeks. So, yeah, no, it's hard, it's hard to disagree. To be honest, I hate saying that when you do preview shows, like it's it's all about the first goal, but. Because every game is about the first goal. But yeah, I think it really is. Um, yeah, we'll see. Right, but before we go, uh, it's time for Kwana's question. A few change, the things change, but also a lot of things are still the same. So Kwana's question this week is, what are you hoping for in the last stretch of the season? We have quite a few entries. I'm going to also ask Stephen Tom uh, their thoughts. But Jacob, love this. Jacob's clearly, uh, uh, you know, into the pod. He says a Redoni goal. That's all we've ever wanted. Me and Tom, <laughs> big fans of that. Big fans. Um, surprisingly, a lot of people said they want to stay up. What? Uh, Claire says points so we can stay in the championship. Don't care how the football looks at this point. Completely agree, Claire. Marcus Wilkinson enjoyed this just because it was very, very blunt. Survival, be all and end all. Fair. Uh, William Bradbury says that we at least try and fight against relegation. The last result was positive, so hopefully we can pick up from there. But we didn't after Warnock's first win, so not overly confident. Uh, Liam Noble says, the realisation that we can actually still survive this season and play like we want to win for the rest of the game and go and attack teams rather than sitting back. I think that's a bit unfair, Liam. We've seen that recently. Um, Bjorn Gambach, I'm, Bjorn, I'm, I realise I'm probably getting your name wrong, so I'm really sorry. He says... A thrilling last day win over Reading that keeps down up and probably sends them down if they get a six points deduction. Could happen. Um, Cam Fry says maybe an end game for staying in the league on the last time game of the season as well. And he said in the second penalty for us after the one Rhodes put in against Luton a long time ago. There we go. Uh, yeah, so not surprisingly, people want to stay up. Um, I want to stay up. Tom, I'm pretty sure you want to stay up. Steve, I'm pretty yeah. sure you want to stay up. Yes. Um, but what are you guys hoping for? Imagine if you just went, no, actually, yeah. I'd love it. They got rid of again. Um, what are you guys hoping for in the last stretch of the season? So for me, like obviously, I would like Town to stay up, but I just, again, I think it's kind of more showing that fight. Like uh, to to be honest, we sh- we probably should be relegated. I think the fact that we <laughs> like there's only three points in it is a bit of a well, we're very lucky, put it that way. So. I think if we just see something from now until the end of the season where we're gonna get, we're gonna we're gonna try, I, I think you Warnock's probably the best manager to do that. Um that's that's what I wanna see. Like I I think it's you know, I think maybe bringing in Warnock was too a couple of games too late. But you know, we've got a chance. But yeah, I wanna see a bit of fight. Um Tom, what about yourself? Yeah, if we go down and I actually think well they've they've given it a go. I I think if it's, it's so interesting though that league. I, I still think maybe if Town could get 12 points, they're in a very, very good chance of mm. potentially staying up. Um, so I, I think if 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 it gets that end of the season and Town from now on have got between, 
I don't know, nine and twelve, I'd be like, fair play, you've 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 done as potentially as much as you can, I think. And um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun end, isn't it? It's I don't think it's unachievable, that really, when I look at it. Um it'll take some scrappy wins, but that's the Warnock magic I think they were hoping for potentially. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I don't know, it was getting so bleak at one point where people were like, Are we gonna win another game for the rest of the season? But I definitely I definitely see that now. And like you say, it's not you know, it's gonna take a lot of points and you look at what they've done so far this season, it's hard. But then again, like, I don't know, you, you wouldn't rule it out. Steve, um, what about you? What are you hoping for in the last stretch? I always just want it to be interesting. Like that's obviously I'm coming at it from a slightly different angle, being a a journalist rather than a fan. But I think all I ever want is for for just things to be interesting. I think if they if they were to lose sort of the next four and then were effectively relegated, then it sort of makes makes my life quite difficult for another month. Um, so yeah, just just stay in the fight as long as they can, whether they stay up or, or go down. Um, I just want them to sort of stay in that fight. As Tom alludes to, I think we always talk about 50 points. I think this season it may well be that someone and it's looking like looking likely that you're not going to need 50 points this year. Um, I'm just quickly looking at my big my big spreadsheet. Um and and it yeah, I, I'd need to crunch the numbers, but it seems like you might be able to stay up with sort of 46, 47 this year. Um, so who knows? But yeah, just just a bit of interest. I think the next three are all very tough games. That And I said this on our own podcast last week, but I think the next three are all very tough games. But then I think the five after that, particularly if Sheffield United have already been promoted at that point, are all winnable. You know, like, and I know obviously the next, you know, you can't consider any of the games unwinnable, particularly after they just beaten Millwall. You know, as I said, I think you can score against Middlesbrough. You said Watford are very Jekyll and Hyde. Blackburn, I think, are a little bit Jekyll and Hyde as well at mm-hmm. times. Um, but then it's Swansea, Sunderland, Cardiff, Sheffield United, Reading. And they're all either sort of mid-table or down there with town or... Sheffield United is is the challenging one, and if they're already up, then you know um, they might have the flip flops on. So, yeah, hopefully it just stays. Um, they stay in the fight, and and obviously I'd love them to stay up. I'd rather be covering the championship next year than League One. So, yeah, there you go. You know what? You've got me hoping there, Steve. Like ten points isn't actually that much. If that, you know, I know that's not a guarantee, but you, you say that, but I mean they've had. 36 points all season <laughs> <laughs> so yeah true true but you know that's just that's just three wins and a draw don't know yeah anyway, anyway we'll see like I, I think you're spot on I think it's going to be entertaining and to be honest that's all we can ask for because we thought we'd be dead and buried by now so um it will be entertaining we will be here to cover it as I'm sure Steve and Dave will for the rest of the season yeah. but that's about it then chaps um so yeah been a long one but obviously a lot to talk about and we had an international break um but before we go is there anything else we'd like to add Tom anything you want to say to the listeners before we head off not really the usual okay. be loud on a Saturday just enjoy it nice very well said. Uh, it's a timeless message. That's why you always say it. Steve, anything, you know, you 
you've shown that you can be a bit silly on here and you, you don't get to do that on your pod. Anything you want to say? I can see a little smirk you're thinking. Uh, tiny.cc slash chicken sleep. Um, and, and enjoy WrestleMania if you're staying up to watch it this weekend. There you go. There you go. And yeah, um, enjoy Saturday. I I can't go. I'm actually away. Um, but as I am a good person, my friend who's back from China for the first time in four years, I've given my tickets to him. So, town, if you're not going to, you know, if you need any more incentive, do it for Edward Taylor. There you go. Right, to ta for now and up the town. Up the town. So, town player will bring the car back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.